Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Always a pleasure to be here to speak about our faith, our Catholic faith, and to put it in the context of our health, our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about, I mean, here we are in the month of November. What's important for us as Catholics in the month of November? You know, we start thinking November, Thanksgiving, family. Where is our Catholic family in November? But we're going to go to a different dimension. We're going to go across time and space, which is going to be kind of cool. But as we do that, let's get started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke, and we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks. Well, you know, it's interesting. What are we willing to believe? It's one of those questions that I ask myself every day. And what, you know, what do you mean by that, Dr. Sandoval? <clears throat> We're in the month of November, and it's time to think about our family. And we usually think November, hey, Thanksgiving holidays, it kicks off, right? Most people, some people like to kick off the holidays with Halloween in October and say, hey, the holiday season's here. Other people say, nope, you know, Halloween's its own thing. We're going to start November, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And it's a great, great time of year, wonderful time of year to get together with family. But where is our Catholic family? And what do I mean by that? One of the things as Catholics that we believe in is the communion of saints. We're all linked together. That which I do will affect everybody else. This is why prayer is so important. This is why going to confession is so important. This is why uh, making sure that, you know, if we do something good, if we sacrifice, I can sacrifice for the good of others. And if we sin, we actually affect the whole family and, and our sins will affect each other in a negative way. And that's pretty heavy to think about. A lot of people get anxious about things like that, especially when we think about, you know, what did I do with my life? Uh, are we headed down the road of getting to heaven? Something to think about during the Thanksgiving season, what am I thankful for? What has been good in my life? What could I have done differently? We get together with family during Thanksgiving, and sometimes, you know, some people don't like getting together with family because Uncle Bob might be weird or whoever it is, and 
I haven't spoken to another family member and we're fighting and we don't speak. So I don't want to see them. There's so many different things that go on in our lives and in our hearts during the holiday season. And one of the things I think about though, is as we get closer to the time of death, what's going to happen? You know, a lot of people lose loved ones and they start feeling uh, heavy about that. They obviously we miss our loved ones or hopefully we do. Uh, but then they start thinking about their own mortality. Dr. Sandler, what does our mortality have to do with Thanksgiving? The way I see it is this, you know, it's Thanksgiving time. We're going to get together with our families. And the church this month also celebrates the souls in purgatory. The souls in purgatory are part of our Catholic family. You know, we have the church militant here on earth, but we have the church suffering in purgatory. Why the church suffering? Because when we die, we might not be ready to get right through those pearly gates of heaven, as they call them. We might not be ready to see the face of God yet. And in fact, we won't even want to go in there yet. We're going to want to go in there. But the key word there is yet. We might not want to go in there yet because we might find out we're not ready to join the feast. We're not dressed ready to join the feast. We don't have the right gifts to bring to the feast. We don't have the right purification to bring to the feast. And so as Catholics, we believe that there is a state of purgatory. For those of us who those of us, for any of us, hopefully, that are on our way to heaven and not on our way to eternal damnation, and that's a whole different talk. Um, <clears throat> we believe that, hey, there's that there, there's that next chance, there's that moment where we can make it into purgatory. The month of November, we celebrate the or we commemorate the souls in purgatory in our Catholic faith, and I think it's important to do so, especially in the thinking about Thanksgiving, getting together with our families, getting together. Um, you know, we started off celebrating All Saints Day. November 1st, All Souls Day, November 2nd. It really brings into light our Catholic family. And I shouldn't just say our Catholic family, I should really say our family in Christ, because the whole world is going to be linked to Christ. It doesn't matter what religion you uh, profess. At the end of the day, as Catholics, we believe that the truth is when we die, we're going to face Christ as a family, hopefully, individually as well, our individual judgment, but hopefully we'll be together as a family in Christ, as the body of Christ. But before we do that, we get to purgatory purify ourselves and that's important to remember this month of november are we praying for the souls in purgatory are we praying for our brothers and sisters who are currently suffering who want to make it to heaven but might not be ready to be there yet who realize that whatever sins we committed whatever we did when we whatever whenever we did the wrong that we knew we should have been doing the right or we didn't do the right that we knew we should have been doing um sins of omission remember are important to consider are we praying for them? Are we linked to them? Do we have a devotion? Do we realize, hey, I want to help you out because when you get to heaven, I need you to pray for me. Um, it's important to consider that. Now, why do I ask, what do we believe? It's interesting because if you talk to some people, they don't believe in purgatory, depending on the faith they follow. Even some Catholics don't believe in purgatory. They say, oh, no, gosh, there's no purgatory. You know, Catholics make up weird things. Um, and some people don't believe that there's a heaven and a hell. They believe that this is it. You know, we uh, we die and nothing else happens uh, for us. We're, we just kind of go off into, into oblivion or we cease to exist. Yet those very same people, a lot of my scientist friends sometimes, are willing to believe interesting things. So one, are we willing to believe that there is another dimension um, beyond our physical dimension? where we still exist and where we still have to meet god and we have to pay our dues to god it's important to consider you know people are willing to believe in things like bigfoot and say yeah i went to the to the woods and there was this 
the Bigfoot there, the Sasquatch, a big, uh, big ape-looking man combination, or there's a, the the Loch Ness monster. If I go to Scotland and I go to um, Lake Ness, right, the Loch Ness monster, uh, and there's going to be a monster there. I'm willing to believe that, and other people are willing to believe in something, even as scientists. Scientists, especially physicists, are always willing to look into time travel. Right? They're saying, "Hey, there's quantum physics out there. I can time travel. Why not?" Some really cool movies about time travel. Some of my favorite movies are about time travel. But time travel would involve being in a different dimension, being outside of time and space for a while, or traveling through time and space, manipulating that. And some people are saying, "Yeah, I would totally try. I wanted to figure out how to do this." And they have this belief that it's possible. Well, I guess my question is, why wouldn't it be possible then? To say, yeah, gosh, after our souls, after we pass away, our souls might be in a different dimension where they're not ready to go to heaven. Well, let's see what the Catholic Church says about this. I found an interesting article. I think it was important to talk about, especially from a mental health perspective. People find death scary. People find the idea of dying scary. And to me, the idea of purgatory, I'm not looking forward to, say, the sufferings of purgatory, but the idea of purgatory is actually very, very hopeful. It's not makes it a little bit less scary in the sense that, gosh, it might not be a fun place. It might be uh, something I have to work through. But at least it gives me the idea that that's how merciful God is uh, to our, to us as a human species. We can talk about the angels. They had a different fate. They didn't get a purgatory. They, their decisions were, were cut dry and final. But for us as humans, the way God made us, and I'm not here to question it, you know, that's that's what we believe about the angels, and that's what we believe for us humans, we're in time and space, and God has given us multiple chances in his great mercy. In fact, I believe God made up chances just for us. God made it up that we could have multiple chances and mercy to, so that he could prove that side of himself, or so that he could show that side of himself, I should say. Um, and it's it's important to have, it's important to have in our hearts. Well, let's look at purgatory as we get into the devotion of purgatory and what we're going to do for the saints in purgatory, but let's understand it first. From the Catholic perspective, the catechism of the Catholic Church defines purgatory as a purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. I think that that's very hopeful if somebody's anxious about <clears throat> dying and death, the thought that, that there is a purification time that gives us an opportunity to achieve that holiness. I think that that's very hopeful. You know, the idea of death can be very depressing. What's going to happen to me when I die? Um, I'm anxious about that. I don't know what to do. One, I think knowing that there is a place of purgation gives us a chance to say, hey, okay, it's, it's not all over. And two, knowing that I can move in that direction, I can do something with my life now. I can decide right now, hey, I don't know if I'm ready for heaven. I don't even know if I'm ready for purgatory. I hope I'm not going to be damned. But what am I going to do with my life now? What choices am I going to make consciously with my life so that I know that I can put myself in a place where I can make it to heaven? That's a great question to ask ourselves. But this is, so this purification, it's experienced by those who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified. How do I get myself into God's grace and friendship right now? And that's coming from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. That's uh, 1030, 1030 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, if you look at that verse in there. And it says this article is on what is purgatory. It's actually a really good article. And it says, it notes that this final purification of the elect 
is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. So the Catholic Church goes on to say that in the Catechism, the following verse, 1031. Again, let me read that. This final purification of the elect is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about how do we cope with the anxiety, depressions, thoughts about death, thoughts about what's going to happen to us in death or after death. Um, is there any hope left for us? Do we even still exist? What are we willing to believe about this? Are we willing to believe what the Catholic Church teaches? You know, I love the teachings of the Catholic Church, uh, and I love the fact that in the, in the Roman Rite, we're very intellectual about it. In the Eastern Rites, we're much more experiential about it. And in the Roman Rite, we read about our faith, we think about our faith and, and uh, study it. And it's beautiful to study it. I love that. That nerdy side of me loves the intellectual component. Um, but the spiritual side of me also clings on to, such as our Eastern brothers and sisters, the experience of God. What does it mean that God is here? Are we experiencing it? Do we understand God in a real um, living way, not just in the books. I think we need to have the marriage of the both. That's why I like uh, St. John Paul II said that it's the two lungs of the church. They need to work together and we need to have both. We need to study it and we need to have that experience. A lot of people aren't willing to believe that there's this mystical side or we don't want to understand the mystical side of our faith, but the mystical side really is God is experiencing life with us and we're experiencing life with God because he created us that way. And as we die, where is our desire for God? How much do we want to be with God? That's where if we have any anxiety or depression about what's going to happen, am I going to be damned? Ask yourself, do you love God? Or in the face of being, well, I wouldn't say being face-to-face -face with God, being face-to-face -face with Christ, am I, am I willing to turn away at that moment? If I am, something we've got to ask ourselves, why am I doing that? But two, gosh, I don't want to turn away, but I don't feel I'm ready to be there. I'm a little scared I want to be there. I have a desire to be there, but I'm a little bit scared. Well, this is where our idea of purgatory, um, or I should say our reality of purgatory as Catholics, can be very, very helpful. I was reading this article from um, Catholic Answers. It's a pretty good article on purgatory. I really liked it. And in the month of November, we commemorate the souls in purgatory. Let's not forget about them. But let's think about what happens to us and how we're going to help our souls in purgatory as well during this month. So this is what scripture says. It says the purification is necessary because nothing unclean will enter the presence of God in heaven. And that's in Revelation chapter 12, verse 27. And while we may die with our mortal sins forgiven, hopefully, you know, I, I would uh, I would hope we strive for that, that we get to confession, that we get rid of our mor mortal sins. There can still be many impurities in us, specifically venial sins and the temporal punishment due to the sins already forgiven. So, you know, we're going through life, we're trying to clean up, we go to confession, we admit our sins, we they, they are forgiven us at that moment, but are there still consequences to our sins? So this is where, really, this is where I love the idea of time travel confession. You know, the confessional booth to me is the ultimate time travel machine. We go in there and we discuss, we travel in time to the past to discuss what's broken and that gets fixed. However, if there is still, remember, whatever we did is still reverberating. It comes with us. It's been coming with us across time. Our sins travel with us and the effects of those sins travel with us across space and time. 
And down the future, there's the temporal punishment due to sins, which is happening now and will continue to happen until that is fully paid. It's an interesting concept to consider, but to me, that's the ultimate time travel, you know, and for God to be able to say, yeah, your sins are forgiven you. Everything's going to be okay. It, it's amazing to go back in time and fix that. And when we start looking at indulgences, when we start looking at plenary indulgences and the remission of all the temporal um, effects of sin, then we're looking into the future and saying, hey, we're going to get rid of the past and the future effects of the sin. That's pretty darn cool. Are we going to think about that as a scientist? We're always looking into quantum physics, uh, time travel. We're looking into different dimensions. A lot of people like to believe in aliens. We like to travel to space. We want to go into hyperspace if you're a Star Wars fan. You know, we believe in all this stuff, and it's pretty cool. Why not purgatory? Why not the dimension that we die, and God is going to hold us in a place where we're going to start to prepare ourselves for heaven? Well, what happens in purgatory? Let's say that we die. We do go to purgatory. As the article tells us, when we die, we undergo what is called the particular or individual judgment. Kind of a scary place to be, right? We don't want to be judged. We never want to go find ourselves be in front of a courtroom. But scripture says that it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. That's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. We are judged instantly and receive our reward for good or ill. We know at once what our final destiny will be. So at that moment of judgment, it is kind of a little bit more like, you know, where it came to the angels, where at that moment they were going to have their judgment. Um, but again, we still get this extra buffer. It says, at the end of time, when Jesus returns, there will come the general judgment to which the Bible refers, for example, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 32, where he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. In this general judgment, all of our sins will be publicly revealed. So it says Luke 12, verses 2 to 5. St. Augustine said in the city of God that temporary punishments are suffered by some in this life only, by others after death by others both now and then, but all of them before the last and strictest judgment. He says, it is between the particular and the general judgments and that the soul is purified of the remaining consequences of the sin. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid every last copper. And that's from Luke chapter 12, verse 59. You know, interesting to think about that when it says all of our sins will be revealed. Um, you know, a lot of times we go through life here and we think, if I do this, it's okay because you know because of this or that. We we can justify our sins. Uh, at the end of the day, is it a sin or not? Uh, to know that it'll be revealed it might make us think twice about what is it that I should do, shouldn't do, and it might cause a lot of anxiety. However, I don't remember which saint said this, and maybe we should look it up. But there was one of the saints that said that once we're in heaven, let's say that you know we made it to heaven. Why would my sins be revealed at that point at the last judgment? If I'm already judged, if I already know where I'm going, whether it was heaven, hell, or purgatory, gosh, if I go to the final judgment and I get, how am I going to survive my sins being revealed at that point? It doesn't make sense. I'm already in heaven. Why would the negativity of my sins be revealed at that point? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense if we're already in eternal happiness. And the reasoning was, you know, when we're in heaven, our sins, first of all, they will technically be gone. They, they, they will have already been forgiven. But they said, one of the things that happens is when 
at the end of time, at that last judgment, your sins are no longer going to be a source of shame or um, a source of of ill will or negativity. What's going to happen is at that moment, since it's the last judgment, you're already in heaven or you've already been judged to be in heaven. Your sins will be revealed, but what will be revealed, remember, it's not about us. It's about God's glory and God's mercy. What will be revealed will be a twofold thing. One, how merciful God was to forgive you of your sins. You will not be even focused on your sins. You're going to say, I focused on God's mercy and look at how merciful God was that he removed all these sins from me. I had to do what I had to do, whether it was in purgatory or on earth to make sacrifice and atonement for it. And really your sins are going to be almost like the, I should say the process of overcoming that sin to make it to heaven is going to be like a jewel. It's going to be like another jewel in your crown of look at what I conquered. It's going to be the conquering of sins that that's how I made it to heaven. I was able to focus on God and God's through God's mercy. I was able to make it to heaven. That's really what it's going to be. It's going to be more a matter of, wow, look at what you have to overcome versus, you know, overcome to get to God, to, to be one with God, to, to make it to heaven versus those in hell who, regardless of their temptation or what they looked for themselves in sin, maybe they wanted to sin more, um, it's going to be a source of shame because they never turn to God's mercy. So that's something to consider. If I turn to God's mercy, I'm going to put this in God's hands. And instead of worrying about how embarrassed I'm going to be in my sins or how how uh, um, down I'm going to feel, or I don't want anybody to know about it. What I'm going to focus on is those are my sins. I'm going to own up to it, but I'm going to say it's not about me. The, my, the whole point of me sinning was because I made life about me instead of about God. And that's going to be the tough part. Well, what else does the article say? It says the Catholic Church, purgatory, and money. One argument, so this is a really good point, one argument anti-Catholics often use to attack purgatory is the idea that the church owes the majority of its wealth to the doctrine of purgatory, but the numbers just don't add up. So this is the thing. When a Catholic requests a memorial mass for the dead, that is a mass set for the benefit of somebody in purgatory, it is customary to give the parish priest a stipend on the principle that the laborer is worth his hire, and that comes from uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 7, and that those who preside at the altar share, share the altar's offering. And that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13, 13 through 14. In the United States, a stipend is commonly around $5, but the, well, the article goes into some of the details. The indigent do not have to pay anything. A few people, of course, freely offer more. You know, there's an interesting argument that's been made many, many times um, as far as, you know, the Catholic Church, all you guys want is money. It says this money goes to the parish priests and the priests are allowed to receive only one such stipend per day. No one gets rich on $5 a day and certainly not the church, which does not receive the money anyway. You know, I don't know how... Uh, how accurate that is. I've spoken to my parish priest friends and they say they don't receive that money anymore. Any donations go straight to the parish, uh, at least here in the Diocese of Orange. Um, so, but that is an interesting point to make a lot of times. And I remember thinking as a kid, the same thing. I remember going to church with my mom and she would say, I need to offer masses for X, Y, and Z, whoever it is, I'm going to go offer some masses. And, uh, and she would donate uh, she would go to the parish office, get the names on the registry, and uh, the priest, you know, you always go to Mass and you wait for the priest to say the name of the person that the Mass was offered for. Um, and uh, she would go and pay, and I would say, why do we have to pay for that? Um, you know, we go to church, and and I didn't understand, but I thought, okay, well, that's just what you do. And as you get older, the questions do come up. Why am I going to have to go pay for uh, this? One, it's always good to donate uh uh, to the church if you have a good church good priest good you know something going on in your heart you want to donate to the catholic church even if you have what you might consider a bad church bad priest you never know uh 
God, I, you figure, pray, hope, and don't worry, as Padre Pio says, whatever's in your heart to give, and you say, this is uh, my job to do, uh, I feel like I need to donate to the church, or I want to give to the church, great, that's wonderful. However, do we have to donate in order to do that? No, the reality is, is this, you can go to Mass, and in your, the, the, you're offering it in your heart, it's not, you're not paying for the church to get out of purgatory, it doesn't work that way. The reality is you can just show up to Mass and in your heart say, I'm offering this Mass because we unify ourselves to the Mass. We don't think about, this is a great time to think about the fact that I can offer the Mass, I can offer my communion, I can offer different things here that will affect the souls in purgatory, but I'm just going to go attend Mass. I'm going to go listen to this Mass with the intention of listening, listening to it for the souls in purgatory who can no longer benefit themselves, who can no longer merit for themselves um, and are just purgating and waiting to get to heaven. I'm going to offer this mass for them, and hopefully they will. Uh, this will benefit them. That's all you got to do. Because if you notice, if you look at this article, and this is true, you know it's an interesting dynamic, and it could be a whole different show on on uh, donations to the church. Um, it says in the United States, the stipend is commonly five dollars, but the indigent do not have to pay anything. So, if the indigent don't pay anything, do they? Does their mass not is not help their souls in purgatory? No, of course it does. It's the intention of the mass, and the priest doesn't have to know the intention in my heart. I can go to mass and offer the intention for anything so it says but look at what happens on a sunday there are often hundreds of people at mass in a crowded parish uh there may be thousands so here we are coming up on the break but when we come back from that we're going to continue with this topic um and look at is purgatory a catholic convention where does this come from where is the idea of purgatory uh, that is a source of contention is it in the bible is it not why do we believe in it is it false hope well we'll find out a little bit more when we come back from the break All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're asking ourselves, should I be worried about death? Should I be worried about not making it to heaven and ending up in hell? And what happens in between? Well, one, I shouldn't say worry, but we should definitely be normally anxious, uh, conscientious enough to work our way towards saying, hey, I want to make it to heaven. I better <clears throat> live my life in a way that is rightfully so worthy of heaven and what if i don't make it what if i fall short but my desire is still for god is because i don't want to hurt god but i don't know how to do differently i'm tired of sinning in this world but gosh my the flood the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak it's interesting to consider that um when we die there is the idea of purgatory it's a very um normal common catholic teaching um and even to the point where we recount stories where saint monica the mother of St. Augustine told him to please remember her when she passed away uh, for her soul uh, and to say masses for her. This is what it makes sense, though. If if what's the point of if I'm just going to be there in heaven or hell, what's the point of saying masses for the dead? If those in heaven don't need them and those in hell aren't going to benefit from them. What's the point of praying for the dead, masses for the dead? It's only because there must be a place where some people still need some spiritual healing. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense at all. Is purgatory in scripture? Of course it is. And we look at Christ referring to the sinners who will not be forgiven either in this age nor in the age to come. And that's in Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. Uh, that's an interesting concept, and if we think about it, we have to look at that sentence and look at what Christ is saying. Some sinners will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. If there's an age to come, that means that, what is that referring to? It's referring to life after death. 
and the fact that sins are still forgiven after we pass away. This suggests that one can be freed after death of the consequences of one's sin. And St. Paul, he also tells us that when we are judged, each man's work will be, tri will be tried. Um, <clears throat> and what happens if a righteous man's work fails the test? He will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So if you understand that, a righteous man works fails the test if we die, but we're, we're not ready yet. He will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. How is that possible? Only through fire. That's the fire of purgatory. That's the purgation. That's a purification. Um, and it's something that we need to consider for ourselves. How Now, we, we can look at the Bible. We can look at all these things. But what about people who we trust, we believe? Who would I believe to tell me, yeah, you know, there is a, a purgatory? Um, we can look at it from the intellectual side and, you know, if you're going to have a discussion with your friends or somebody who's telling you, oh, the Catholic Church, they're off on that. Okay, we can look at it from the magisterium, what the Catholic Church teaches, but what about saints? What about other people who say, no, I've actually experienced this. I've experienced meeting souls. Well, let's look at this. Anybody ever follow Padre Pio, uh, who lived in, uh, there's, you know, when Padre Pio was around, I'm just thinking about so many different things that he experienced, but Padre Pio experienced so much in the mystical realm, so much in this quantum leap, if you will, into the spiritual realm that it's hard not to believe something that he would tell us, something that he experienced. We know that he had the stigmata for, to begin with, and the stigmata itself is a great sign that, hey, something mystical is going on here. There's something that, and by mystical, it just means God is showing us that there's a whole other dimension that he is slowly revealing to us that there's a mystery there because this doesn't follow the rules of science and yet it's happening the difference is we can't explain it when we start thinking that science is the end all to be all to explain everything it, it really we got to think about science as is this is what the human mind is capable of understanding if the human mind is the end all to be all then great however last i recall there is no perfect human we make mistakes. We can easily make a mathematical error. We're not computers in that sense. So we do make mistakes. If we look at the world scientifically, then it means that, yeah, I'm looking at the world scientifically and I'm coming up with conclusions based on the limitations of an imperfect mind. The conclusions are great, but there's got to be a perfect being. There's got to be somebody, some kind of perfect. I'm looking for that perfection. There's got to be some kind of perfection out there that's helping me out. If we look at what Padre Pio experienced, if he looked, we looked at the fact that he had stigmata, you know, the signs of Christ, the wounds of Christ that came up and bled, but he never bled out and died, and uh, the wound would heal and then and then open up again. That doesn't make, compute in the world of science, right? Because we know that there's a progression. You cut yourself, you heal. The skin heals in a certain way. Um, and we understand the cells and all these things, but that's what we understand from our imperfect, limited minds. We can't attribute and say, oh, that must be the end all to end all. And because I understood it this way, this is what's right and this is wrong. No, this is what I understand so far because there are things outside of our realm. And that's where I believe that the dimension of purgatory, life after death falls into. But what else did Padre Pio experience? Well, here's a story for you. It says, uh, some friars who lived in San Giovanni Rotondo with Padre Pio once heard a mysterious sound coming from the friary. It sounded, one of the friars said, like voices singing in beautiful harmony. No one could find the source. Padre Pio was deep in prayer at the time, and someone approached him to ask if he knew where the singing was coming from. 
Roused as if from a deep sleep, he answered, Why are you all so surprised? There are they are the voices of angels who are taking souls from purgatory into paradise. Isn't that a beautiful image? So that's the other thing that we need to consider. When we start looking at purgatory, we kind of it might be a lonely place. I have no idea what it'll be like. I can only imagine if it's an individual judgment, if it's based on the individual judgment, what are the levels of purgatory? Infinite, because it depends on what your individual situation is. So it's going to be as infinite as there are human beings or people in, in purgatory. Each one is probably going to be at a different level or a different need of purgation. But the idea that, hey, I'm going to be in purgatory, and all of a sudden there's going to be angels who are singing the praises of heaven. It must be a beautiful sound. Who are who are going, are going to take me into paradise? So I'm going to be in this place. The next thing I know, some angels are going to come for me and take me into paradise. What a beautiful image. You've paid your dues. Let's get your reward. I think that's amazing. I think that's beautiful. It says this story and others told in the book. There is a book called Padre Pio True, True Stories. Illustrate Padre Pio's supernatural sensitivity to the angelic world and the souls in purgatory. Padre Pio used to say that he had seen his guardian angel ever since he was a little kid, and he thought that everybody else did too. Uh, that's a beautiful life. That's that's an amazing, um, an amazing experience, really. When you, when the the supernatural world, the world of of the, the heavenly world, is at your reach from that from a young age, your whole life. What a great thing to have. Padre Pio was not the only one, was able not only to hear, but to see souls from the other world. And this is where it gets interesting. If the man with the stigmata is telling me that he can see certain things, I'm bound to listen. I'm bound to listen. At times, he was given the gift of knowing the eternal condition of those who had died. It is said that the widow of a man who died by suicide once inquired about the state of her husband's soul. And Padre Pio replied, he is saved. Between the bridge and the river, he repented. He knew this. His supernatural gifts did not come easily. They marked a life of intense suffering, including Padre Pio's bearing the wounds of the stigmata for 50 years. So this is the caveat of that. When we are, you know, a lot of people want to see God. They want to see miracles. You know, how many times do we go to marrying apparitions? That's another beautiful um, look into the realm of time and space, which I love. I'm very fascinated by marrying apparitions. But when we look at that, why do people travel to Medjugorje? Why do people travel to Fatima? Why do people travel to Lourdes? A lot of times we're looking for a miracle. We want a glimpse into the supernatural world. And we think of people who are saints, who are gifted, who are um, given the grace of seeing these things as, wow, that'd be so good to have. We got to remember this comes not without suffering. Um, Padre Pio, the stigmata were painful. Uh, there's no question about that. Am I willing to live a life of pain? As a doctor, I can tell you, most of us are not. Most of us, if we have pain, we want pain medication. I don't know too many people who say, wow, I'm in a lot of pain right now, and that's okay. I'm going to offer this up. That would be a path to saintliness right away, or a great start to the path to saintliness. Um, but most of us, human nature, myself included, I'm going to go take something for my headache. I'm going to go take something for pain. How many of us are willing to have learned to live with, experience continual pain for a greater good? We have to get our mind to that dimension of, hey, there's a purgatory. I can make, I can offer my sufferings up for these souls in purgatory who are suffering. So let's see here. In his suffering, Padre Pio had a special devotion to the souls in purgatory. Early in his priesthood, he wrote to his spiritual director and he said, For some time I have felt the need to offer myself to the Lord as a victim 
for poor sinners and for souls in purgatory. This desire has grown continuously in my heart. Until now, it has become a powerful passion. I made this offering to the Lord, imploring him to lay on me the punishments that are prepared for sinners and for the souls in purgatory, even multiplying them upon me a hundredfold as long as he converts and saves sinners and quickly releases the souls in purgatory. This is the key, and this is one of the keys that um, we need to focus on. Let's look at what Padre Pio did. Can we agree that Padre Pio is a good example of saintliness? I would say yes. Uh, if you don't, that's a whole different story. Maybe you're, this might not make sense, but I would dare say Padre Pio, who's going to argue that he was a holy man? I'm not saying he wasn't without his faults, and even he himself at one point said that he was probably going to end up spending some time in purgatory because he couldn't overcome certain sins. One of the things that um, he he noted was in this passage, and this is important to consider, he's saying, I am going to offer my sufferings for the souls in purgatory. I'm going to suffer, and I'm even going to ask God to multiply those sufferings. I don't know too many of us, and myself included here, where I'm going to say, hey, I'll multiply my sufferings, please. Make me feel humiliated at times, please. Make me feel in pain, please. That takes a brave soul. It takes a brave soul, and it takes a lot of faith, really a lot of faith in God saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to be, you know, most of us want to be praised, want to be adulated. A lot of people want to have fame. If you ask kids nowadays, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They say famous. They no longer say, oh, I want to be a fireman, an astronaut, a teacher, a doctor, a nurse. They say, I want to be famous. I want to have a YouTube channel. I want to have a TikTok channel. I want to make a lot of money. I want to have sponsors because that's what we're praising. That's what get praised in this world, a lot of fame, a lot of money coming my way. If I just do something silly, get a lot of people looking at me, and then people will pay me money on sponsorships happens all the time. Um, but one of the things to consider is Padre Pio was saying, no, I think I want more punishment. I think I want more, perhaps humiliation, um, people not paying attention to me. That's what happens. But what he, he said, these sufferings will go towards the soul in purgatory. Our sufferings, whatever we feel we're experiencing, can be placed towards the souls in purgatory, can allow for merit in purgatory for those who are suffering. We need to remember that because in our suffering, when those souls go to heaven, they're going to help us out. They're going to say, hey, now I'm going to pray for you. Now I'm going to offer something. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about how does a mass play in purgatory? All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about Catholic November, remembering the souls in purgatory. What can we do about this, and how is this going to be good for me, for my mental health? You know, one of the things is a lot of times when we suffer from anxiety, from depression, easy for us to turn into ourselves and not think about doing good for the other. A lot of depression actually comes from just self-focus self-hatred a lot of people don't like themselves a lot of people get down on themselves and think about the negative self-talk that we do wake up in the mornings how many people say oh my goodness i'm so glad to be alive i'm so glad to exist thank you god for giving me life how can i best praise you today i don't know how many of us wake up thinking that um every day i think we usually wake up thinking okay what do i got to do today well how am i going to do this i need to accomplish this i need to get this done and we kind of forget one god's working in our lives we forget to focus on God and we forget that God's going to fix a lot of our problems, um, but that there is going to be suffering in this world. When we do that, we tend to focus on other things. We tend to sin. We tend to say, I'm going to know better than God. I'm going to do it my way. Um, I know what the church says, but I just don't have that much faith. 
And then if we did live a life where we weren't so close to God, when we want to make it to heaven, what's going to happen to our souls? We're going to say, man, I wish I would have paid more attention and just prayed to God every day and thanked him for being alive, but I'm not ready for heaven. I think I'm going to need to spend some time in purgatory. Well, what can we do now before we get there that hopefully we can say, hey, let's just make it to heaven. Padre Pio, as we were talking about before the break, had experience of this uh, dimension of purgatory, of the souls in purgatory, and understanding that we can think outside of ourselves, which is what I tell people who, when they suffer from any of my patients who suffer from depression or anxiety, I say, hey, you got to look forward. You got to look outside of yourself. You got to do something for somebody else because it's thinking about yourself the whole time. It's just not healthy. Well, Padre Pio said that his suffering, he wanted to suffer, and that his suffering um, increasingly and more without comfort was all his joy because it made the pains of Jesus lighter. Remember, we unite our suffering to Christ and good things can happen. I offer my suffering united to Christ for the souls in purgatory. And guess what? Some good things are going to happen for the souls in purgatory. There's this interesting story that Padre Pio tells. He says that in 1922, he told a bishop and several friars that a soul visited him from purgatory. He said it was a snowy winter evening and he was sitting by the fireplace in the friary praying when an old man sat down beside him. Padre Pio could not imagine how he could have entered the friary at this time of night. And he said, who are you? What do you want? The man said that his name was Pietro Di Mauro and he had died in the friary on September 18th, 1908, when it was a poorhouse. He had fallen asleep with a lighted cigar, which set a mattress on fire and he died suffocated and burned. He said, I'm still in purgatory. I need a holy mass in order to be free. God permitted that I come and ask you for help. Rest assured that tomorrow I will celebrate a mass for your liberation, Padre Pio told him, and then walked him to the door, which had been closed and locked. Padre Pio offered the mass for the old man as promised. A few days later, he went with another friar to the town hall and looked at recordings from, uh, excuse me, at the records from 1908. He said they, they found that on September 18th of that year, a man named Petro Di Mauro had indeed died of burns and asphyxiation in the place at which time was a poorhouse and now was the friary. So this happens to him. He says last week it happened to open a newspaper from back in September. We don't get the local paper, but a relative had given us a stack of old ones to use for craft projects. For some reason, the obituary section in one of the papers caught my eye. I began to read the first column. Suddenly, I realized in astonishment that I was reading about someone I knew. A woman with someone who I've been acquainted for years had passed away in September, and I hadn't heard about it till now. It seemed clear that the Holy Spirit had gone to great lengths to show me this woman's obituary. This is a different story now. Um, what were the chances that I would stumble upon it a month after it was published in a paper that I don't even get? That is just from the author of the story. She said, for a moment, I wondered why it hit me. Maybe God directed me to this dear woman obituary because she needed a mass said for her. She requested a mass said for the priest of, for the repose of that soul. So this is the author just saying twofold story here. One, Padre Pio getting a visit from the man in purgatory and saying, hey, I need a mass. And two, this lady saying, you know, I saw this obituary, this random newspaper that we were just using for crafts. And I saw a name and it said, hey, I know that person. Remember, we're connected with each other here as Catholics, and sometimes God will send us signals that way. Do we believe in the mystical side of our faith? Do we believe that we are connected? And do we believe that we can still help out our loved ones who may be suffering in purgatory? These are important questions to consider uh, because then we do have an obligation. I could say we have an obligation. 
The important thing here, though, what I take about this, take out from this is what do we learn here as to what's the best way I can help in soul in purgatory? It seems that the Mass is the ultimate prayer. Why? Because that is the whole point of the Mass. The whole point of the Mass, remember, we're, it's the representation of Jesus dying for our sins, of the crucifixion, of the Last Supper, the crucifixion. Every time the Mass is a Mass of freedom to liberate us from our sins. What do the souls in purgatory need? Why are they there? They're purgating. They're, they're still purifying themselves from their sins. If we can have a Mass offered for them, then how much more are those sins going to go away? How much more are those sins going to, uh, how much quicker, shall we say, are those sins not going to plague them anymore? This is important to consider. Well, this is usually what they ask for too. They ask for the Mass. We go to the Mass. If I'm going to hear a Mass, if I'm going to pray the Mass, if I'm going to be at Mass, if I'm going to be present at Mass, in my heart I can say, Lord, I offer this for the souls in purgatory. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty, we have a lot of power if we think of it that way. You know, a lot of times we're looking for, um, external signs, and we forget that the life in our hearts, that interior life, is a very powerful spiritual uh, realm that we need to consider a little bit more, or I should say a lot more, realizing that I can affect change in the world. I can affect change for the souls in purgatory. I can affect change for my family based on the condition of my heart. Remember, it's like the tree. What kind of fruit does it give? Where is the heart? That's how I'm going to know the fruit uh, that I'm going to give. The holy souls are powerful intercessors as well. This is important to consider. The holy souls need our prayers. At the same time, they can be powerful intercessors for us. Catechism in uh, the verse in paragraph 958 says, Our prayers for them is capable not only of helping them, but also of making their intercessions for us effective. When we pray for them, it makes them able to pray for us. That's from the catechism. One of my favorite places to think and pray is an old cemetery. This is what our, this lady saying in this article. Uh, in my neighborhood, I have spent so much time there that the souls feel like old friends. When I look at their tombstones and pray for them, I also ask them to pray for me. Their intercession has been tremendous blessing in my life. The reciprocity has been understood since the early days of the church. St. Odillo, who lived at the turn of the first millennium and was the first to establish an All Souls Day, composed this prayer in which he not only prays for the souls in purgatory, but also asks for their intercession. It says, O holy souls, I promise never to forget you and to pray to the Most High for your release. I beseech you to respond to this offering which I make to you. Obtain for us peace of heart. Assist us in all our actions. Console and defend us in our dangers that we may one day all rejoice together in paradise. O God and Creator, Redeemer of the faithful, give to the souls of your departed servants the remission of their sins, that they may obtain the joys of heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. I think it's great to always pray for the souls in purgatory. There are families still. They're still needing uh, prayers from us. I think it's no different than also praying uh, to the souls in uh, heaven to pray for us and to help out the souls in purgatory. Remember Our Lady, uh, when she appeared in Fatima, said, how many souls go to hell because they have nobody to pray for them? Something important to consider. I think it's our job and our duty to pray for each other. Well, here's an important part. We are still in the month of November. Can we get a plenary indulgence in November? Each November, the church, in her goodness, offers a gift for the faithful to give to the souls in purgatory. From November 1st through the 8th, well, we're past that, but God can travel across time and space. The faithful can gain a plenary indulgence for the souls in purgatory by visiting a cemetery and praying for the dead. 
In order to obtain this indulgence, a Catholic in the state of grace must have the intention to obtain it and fulfill the following conditions. Visit a cemetery and pray there for the dead, even if only mentally. Make a sacramental confession, a single confession within about 20 days before or after, uh, will suffice for all the indulgences a person obtains within that time period. Receive Holy Communion. Recite at least one Our Father, one Hail Mary, one Holy Father, and be free from attachment to all sin, including venial sin. One plenary indulgence may be obtained each day. The indulgence becomes partial if the conditions are partially fulfilled. Now, a lot of people will go through different uh, ideas between these plenary indulgences. I do believe that we can get plenary indulgences. There's many different ways to get plenary indulgences. In fact, if you don't know this, the rosary is a great way to get a plenary indulgence. Whenever you pray the rosary in a uh, family, in a group of people together with somebody, and you fulfill the requirements of praying for the Holy Father, going to confession, and receiving Holy Communion, we can get a plenary indulgence every single time. We can offer that for the souls in purgatory. You know, sometimes you say, oh, no, I missed the window November 1st through the 8th. You can get a plenary indulgence anytime. There, you know, that's a beautiful you know, remembrance uh, for the month of November for the souls in purgatory. But the reality is, don't hold off. There's different ways to get plenary indulgences. There's different ways to pray for the souls in purgatory. And I think the devotion to the souls in purgatory is a beautiful one. It's one that we pray here as a family every time. We pray when we pray the rosary, the second mystery, uh, whatever it is that day is always offered with the intention of the souls in purgatory. Teach my children about the souls in purgatory and the devotion to the souls in purgatory because one day I might be there and I might need them to be saying some masses and prayers for me um, as our time comes. It's important to consider um, that nothing is impossible for God. If we turn our hearts to God, uh, he will heal us. He will remove from us all of our sins. Um, and I think that that's something to consider. We don't always think about that. Living in this world, it's easy to focus on, to think about, gosh, you know, there's so many different things going on around us. I got to get to work. I've got to get to the store. I've got to get to this obligation, a meeting. We're not always thinking about God. We don't always have God in our foresight. That would put us in the state of saintliness, and hopefully we can get there. Hopefully our mind can move in that direction. The world always fights against that. For those of us who have gone ahead and who have passed away and who are in a state of purgatory, I think it's great hope to know that, hey, my Catholic brother, my family, who is the church militant, who is still alive, is going to be looking out for me and is going to say some prayers for me. It's going to get me to heaven. I think that that's got to be great consolation. Anybody who's suffering from depression, from anxiety, from fear of passing, from fear of dying, from fear of not knowing what is going to happen to me. Let's think about that. Why not pray to the souls in purgatory and ask them for their intercession? And maybe at the time of our death, they will appear as well and help us out and help us in that transition. Here, we're coming up on the end of the show here. And just want to say thank you to all of our listeners for listening. I want to say some prayers for you. I'm going to go offer the next mass for all of our listeners and for all the souls in purgatory. I offer that in my heart when I uh, go to mass on Sunday. And hopefully it will help with the purgation of our sins and save a few souls from purgatory that are going to help us out as well. Pray for us and look to Our Lady. St. Padre Pio, pray for us. Our Lady, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. And we'll say a prayer here to all the souls in purgatory. God, please give them the eternal life. Please have them get to heaven as soon as possible. And at the end of the show here, as always, and until next week, I say, let's keep it Catholic.